The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now you're all familiar, I'm sure, with that old saying that a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. Well, that is what Pete Lund is here to talk about. Not I'd put on your pants more quickly, but rather lying. Pete Lund, of course, is the founder and head of the ESRI's Behavioural Research Unit. So, Pete, you're going to conduct something of an experiment, is that right? Oh, that's right, yeah. So there's some really nice new research out. That research is about how can you tell when someone is lying. Mm. So I want to do a little thing. I mean, there's lots of these kind of you know, panel shows that you see on TV about you know, when people do and when they don't lie. So I just want to have a, have a quick go with you. You might, you might get it, you might not. So I'm okay. going to give you three very simple statements. One of the three is a lie. Oh, yeah. Would okay. I lie to you? Isn't it's that, that the name kind of, of the show? So yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you three uh, about me. One of them is a lie. The other two are true. And I just want to see if you can tell which one is the lie. Right. So here they come. Okay. So the first one, all right, is that I've gone fly fishing with Jeremy Paxman. Okay. Okay. The second one is that I've played a round of golf with Richard Branson. Okay. And the third one is that I've cooked spaghetti bolognese um, for Stephen Hawking. Uh, Okay, now two of those are true and one of them is a lie. Okay. Do you want me to guess right now which is a lie? I I do, yeah. And I'm then going to ask you some more questions. The last one was a lie. You think that I've cooked spaghetti bolognese? I I, I don't think you have. No, I have actually done that. Have you? Yeah, so I used to work in the Lamb and Flag in Oxford and when he was a visiting professor, his favourite was spaghetti bolognese and I cooked it for him. Yeah, that's actually true. Uh, So the first one was a lie? The first one was a lie. I didn't... I used to know Joan Paxman because I used to work at the BBC, but I never went fly fishing with him. Yeah, you see, I knew you'd worked at the BBC, so I thought maybe that. And then I don't know. The Richard Branson one, I don't know. It could have been it. But you kind of delay for a second and you're telling you the third one. For a split second, I went, oh, he thought about... He had to think about that for a second yeah okay so that's that's the question i now want to ask you so the question i want to ask you is how were you trying to go about the process of determining which of those yeah, was so alive? i know a few things about you pete but i don't know uh, details of your life intimately <laughs> so I, I i didn't have a huge amount of data to draw on to to, to work it out but i like that the bbc thing i knew uh, so i i had that to rely on um i was looking to see if you maintained eye contact with me and stuff mm-hmm. as you were telling these um and you <clears> did actually you kind of glanced down in between but while you were telling them you now obviously you're not paying this much attention to every conversation mm. you have but I knew what we were doing um, and yeah so the last one I, I wasn't waiting for a delay but once there was a little delay I just thought well the telling of that was slightly different from the telling of the other two yeah. So, so that's that interesting. One. So you, you mostly used visual cues, yes, actually, absolutely. but a little bit of pause. Now, interestingly, I became aware. I, the first one was the lie. And I became aware that I looked down and to the right after I said it. So I made sure then to do exactly the same thing on the other two. I wasn't planning to do that. That's just what happened because I was worried you might have seen that. Okay. And that's one of the things that's really difficult about telling whether somebody's lying is that they also are playing a game with you. They know that they might have given a cue away, so they might give you some false cues to follow. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you think you're better at telling if someone's lying if you can see them or if they're on the phone um oh uh i think i i I instinctively i'd say if i could see them yeah yeah so that is really interesting because the research finding that turns out not to be the case we're actually better at it if all we can do is hear them and part of the reason for that is the number of spurious visual cues that you might pick up on just as you did when you decided right. that the third one was the lie. There was something about the way I kind of paused and got, got a little bit physically uncomfortable. Yeah. The reason I actually did that, incidentally, was just I thought I was about to mispronounce Stephen Hawking's name. <laughs> and it was nothing to do with the fact, because actually the thing was, was true. <laughs> but this is the problem. The problem in trying to determine whether somebody is or isn't lying 
The problem with it is that you've got so many different things you can juggle. And one of the things that we know about human cognition and how people make decisions is that they find it really difficult when they have to juggle multiple inputs. So if you're juggling three or four different things, what I look like, what I sound like, what you know of my history, how plausible the story sounds. Like. By the time you're juggling four, five, six different inputs, you're in terrible trouble trying yes. to make a decision. That's one of the reasons why when we watch these panel shows, actually the answer often surprises us and yes. pretty much people's guesses are quite close to being at chance. So it, it's not that there are no visual cues to pick up on. It's rather that when you you have the visual cues and the audio and all those other like I say the kind of the the maybe your past experience with the person there's just too many data sets exactly you have too much to juggle so you end up not weighting the information right. the different sources of information accurately now here's a really interesting thing so lie detectors are not particularly good so human beings are about I'm going to give you a crass approximation across multiple research findings but human beings are about 70% accurate at detecting lies all right, okay. Right, so they're not bad. We can get a machine or a lie detector up to more like 80% or so. Like that's the classic polygraph. Um, thing. Well, that's only one way of doing it. But even if you give even if you use modern day artificial intelligence and you allow multiple cues, so you allow the algorithm to look yeah. at what I look like, what I sound like. Should have asked ChatGPT. You know, right, oh, is P telling me a lie? Okay, so the AI, <laughs> the AI, even the best AI and the most modern AI, whether it's the chatbot or whatever it is, can get up to more like 80, maybe even 85%. Right. But still, lie detection is not a perfect science, even with the best AI we have and even with the polygraphs. And part of the reason for that actually is that people telling the truth who are worried that somebody thinks they're lying get almost as nervous as many people who are lying. I see. So the fact that I might be telling you the truth, but I'm worried you suspect me, makes me almost behave like a liar anyway. So in those circumstances where a lie really matters, you know, it might be a criminal case or something like that, the people telling the truth are as nervous as the liars. So a, a, a version of kind of the lady doth protest too much. Well, yeah, but I'm protesting because <laughs> I really want you to believe this, <laughs> yes. and I don't think you do. It's because I am, in fact, <laughs> yes. innocent. Yes, exactly right. Now, here's the really interesting thing. So what this new research has done, all that I've told you so so far is kind of older research but what this new research has done is it's homed in on giving human beings strategies to make them better at detecting lies so if we know that you can't juggle all the different pieces of information as you tried to do when I lied to you at the start of this interview. Yeah. What is a really good strategy? So what they did was they gave people multiple different strategies and they worked out through experiments which one was the best, so which one had the highest lie detection rate, yeah. if you like, when you gave people strategies. Now, this was in the context of interviewing people. So this was in the context of you're interviewing somebody to try to get at the truth. What's a strategy to follow? Is it to look for visual responses, to mm -hmm. look at eye movements, to look at how quickly people speak? how often they arm or err or how often they pause. No. It turns out that the best strategy you can give people is to ignore all of the cues, right, and focus on only one thing, okay. which is how readily the person supplies detail. So it's much harder to lie than it is to tell the truth, because when you tell the truth, the detail just comes to you because it's a true memory. You're not yes. making it up. And if you ask people lots of questions about an event or about a particular thing, so had you asked me which river we'd gone fly fishing on, what time of year was it, how much had we caught, if you start asking these kind of questions, I'm going to respond more slowly and with less detail than if you ask me, as we mentioned, yeah. about serving Stephen Hawking the spaghetti bolognese, which I can actually remember as if it was yesterday because it was a kind of you know event that's in my funny life because that I, remember. I i remember hearing before that it, it might be the other way around that because people are kind of concocting 
a story for the lie, they can come up whatever amount of detail they want. But when it's from their memory, you know, memory is hazy. You kind of, what, when did you, what, what time of the year did you go fly fishing? You know, let's yeah. say that was the real one. You'd be like, well, actually, I can't really remember. It was sometime in the summer. Whereas if it was a lie, you might say, I went on yeah. August 24th. So interestingly, it matters, therefore, that you're also asking questions. So, of course, I could concoct a very good you know, cock and bull story that went on for ages that included lots of spurious detail. But if you ask me a question that I haven't thought of, I've got to make it up on the spot. At that I point, see. if you ask me for detail that I ought to so know, so you might have, have a, you there. might have a nice spiel about going uh, fishing on August twenty fourth with uh, Jeremy Paxman. But if I say, "What colour was this fishing rod?" Right, there's kind of you're a oh, s- uh, uh, red. Yes, you're going to see me pause relative <laughs> yeah. to if it was truthful. Yeah. And if it was truthful, I would probably laugh and tell you immediately. I couldn't remember and not make something up anyway. Yeah. So what happens is that the superior strategy for trying to tell whether somebody is lying, if you are interviewing them, is to ask for questions. Of detail, and particularly questions of detail that they were un- would unlike be unlikely to have come up previously with a story for. And what's so interesting is that you just use that one thing, and you only focus on that. Really? Ignore, yeah, ignore everything else. Because I thought you were going to tell me that the the best strategy is that you know the police officer would be interviewing and you'd have this kind of screen on the side and one person would look at visual cues and another person would have their eyes closed and just be listening. None of that. Just filter away all of that nonsense. Exactly. So that is only the way to do it if you have access to the artificial intelligence algorithm that can juggle and weight all of those different cues. If you have that, then use the artificial intelligence algorithm. They're a little bit better than people are at telling liars. But if you're a person, the trick is to focus on one thing. And the best thing to focus on is how much detail people can give you in answer to questions. Okay, so let me imagine uh, that for a moment, Pete, uh, the couple listening to this are one half of the couple and they suspect the other of cheating. So when they come home, when, when he or she comes home tonight kind of grill them for detail. Is that it? As to what they've been up to? And maybe some unexpected (laughs) questions. That's the advice here? I I think the emotional content of the response... We're going to quote this and get it up online. Pete Long from the ESRI says... says, Quiz your partner. New research from the ESRI suggests. Go on. I I think your motivation for asking the questions (laughs) may swamp any useful cognitive information (laughs) that you might get. Uh, Listen, that is absolutely fascinating uh, stuff. Counterintuitive, some of it, but uh, that is the... I suppose that is the best type of contribution we get from this slot. Pete, it's it's been a real pleasure. Thanks a million for coming in. Thank you. Pete Long, founder and head of the ESRI's Behavioural Research Unit. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.